to the SPS Digital Learning Hour. Brought to you by the Digital Learning and Assessment Department. We're coming to you from a conference room in Central Office, bringing you the latest news in the Springfield Public Schools in regards to technology, along with inspiring interviews from teachers who are using technology in the classroom. We'll also inform you of the latest updates, practices, and news as it pertains to our district. Whether you are new to using technology in the classroom or are a seasoned vet, we are here to help. Thanks for joining me today. I am your host, Mike Thomas. In case you missed it, the latest blog post is out and it's all about coding and mathematics. How the two are intertwined together. You can find out all this great information on how not only you can apply coding in your math class, but how they do work together out on the blog. Included in the blog, there's a couple videos on how making math fun with robotics. And there's about a half dozen links on different ways to help you integrate coding and mathematics together. In case you missed it, Office Mix Preview is ending its service. It's got about four weeks left of time, so on May 1st, 2018, your content will be gone. So if you have posted stuff out on mix.office.com, please log in and click on your mixes. Click Migrate to move your mixes to the Microsoft Stream or manually download your content as PowerPoint files. Once they are downloaded, then you are all set. On May 1st, any remaining files will automatically get deleted. So that is very important for you to know. Once that date comes, they are gone forever. In case you missed it, we have a very important poll question out on Yammer, which is asking about what gradebook do you use? So what tool do you use for keeping track of your students' work and grading? Whether that's Brightspace, PowerSchool, or something else like NGrade, please let us know as we are trying to move everything together and work together, and so that's one of the things that we're looking for. That's it for In Case You Missed It. Coming up next, Hot Take. So Hot Take this week is a continuation of our conversation that we had started last week with gamification. We'll take you through some of the pitfalls that we have seen and read about and just a lot of great other information all about gamification. So I encourage you to take the time, listen to last week's podcast, listen to this week, and we'll wrap it up next week with part three of our gamification content. characteristics lend themselves towards the addiction part, right? You want, you can't stop playing. You want to earn more points. You, you can't stop doing that until you reach a certain level. And there was a person in here, uh, Mike, I'm sure you remember his name, Gabe Zickerman, or Zickerman, mm-hmm. who was originally a cheerleader for gamification, 
And he worked for major companies. So you think of your grocery stores, your gas stations and all of that, who wanted people to continually go to their sites or their their, um, businesses. And so he taught them what they needed to do within their platform to get people to continually go back. But now when he goes to a restaurant and sees everyone sitting at a table looking at their cell phone, (laughs) he thinks, oh, okay, this has gone a little bit too far. How can I change it? So I was happy mm-hmm. to hear he came up with an app that will help people change their habits. It's almost interesting. You, you, you almost uh, Teachers nowadays are thinking of ways to manage technology within the classroom. I think we almost have to take a step back, Suzanne, off of what you said and ask ourselves, how should we manage technology in our personal lives? Some of the, in one of the articles I read, I read about a nine-year-old boy who ended up having to go... Uh, to seek help from the amount of gaming that he was doing. He had completely shut himself off socially. And it just, it brings that to mind. Where is that that cross balance here? And how far is it going? Right. And I think there's probably a lot of teachers out there who um, may not be inclined to add gamification aspects to their, their courses or to integrate game-based learning into their classrooms because they're worried about that, right? But... Really, our goal is to help students succeed after they graduate, right? So we need to help them understand how to regulate technology in their life. Most certainly. I think the main goal for us is to make sure that our our students are well prepared to be 21st century learners and workers, obviously. Um, So you're absolutely right. And kind of coming back to some of the things that you were talking about, um, the idea of habits is very important in in gamification because there's a reason why I don't drink coffee, but I go to Starbucks. There's a reason why I'll, I go to certain grocery stores. When I was a student, there's reasons why I would do certain things because I knew the reward that would come along with them. And in some ways, as I was reading this, I'm like, well, is homework kind of like on the cusp of being gamification? Because the idea of homework is... The teacher's goal is to hopefully to like encourage your learning, continue your learning. As a student, your goal is to not get the zero. I don't know. It was just one of those things where it's like it's like gamification is good for creating habits. Does it all gamification have to be technology based? Right, right. No, it's a very good point because in the end, we don't want students to do their homework or pass a test or, or whatever it is simply because they want that A, we want them to do it because they want to learn. We want that intrinsic motivation to be established. So I guess my my opinion at at this point in time, which can always change, but um, I think if gamification can be used to start good habits, then that's great as long as it continues on to a more well-rounded type of learning. Yeah, and I don't think gamification can solve or fix any problems because it's only as good as its use. And once it outgrows its use, it's like not going to be great for you to use anymore. Like I I think of class dojo, for example, there's a huge gamification aspect to that because it's tracking all of the positive things you're doing in the classroom. Well, that's great for the younger grades, but like, as you get older, like it's still the same thing from kindergarten all the way through 12. They don't have like a separate class dojo for high school for example. While that might be a useful tool for some and they might get into like the addictive habit of it of like always trying to like make sure they hear that ding for when they get points. 
But for many, like gamification in that aspect kind of like goes away. Like it's not as effective anymore where it's like, you know, what? I'm going to get my points anyways. I'm going to do what I want. So in one of the articles, there was this great chart. I can see that, Suzanne, you have it out too, where they kind of like laid out like education games versus gamification of education, which is a mouthful. Um, and they kind of like each of the levels, they have like the education games part and then the gamification part. And so they kind of compare the two. So it's easy to see how, even though they are two different things, how they tend to get confused a lot. So for example, um, one of them, it says for education games, strive to present the right level of challenge to the player. That's for education games. For the gamification version of that, it's targeting levels of challenge seldom considered. Those aren't very different from what we're saying. Right. That's why it gets so confusing, Mike. Number one, because in that particular article, it refers to education games, not game-based learning. So again, it's just the whole vocabulary that you need to, to master first. Um, and then where they say for gamification of education, targeting level of challenge seldom considered. I would argue that, right? Because if you're setting up your course in Brightspace and you've um, gotten to the point where students are earning points based on um, accomplishing certain assignments, then that is targeting a certain level. They're not going to get to the highest level until they've mastered X, Y, and Z. Um, but I think it's the context that's different. Right. And I think the one that out of that group that really makes the most sense to me was the uh, focus on conceptual change for education games versus focus on behavioral change for um, gamification. Because mm -hmm. I, I continue to go back to gamification is really about behavior and the behaviors that you're doing whether positive or negative, the reason why you're doing them. Like, that's why Class Dojo works. That's why the grocery store ones work. I go to Big Y more than I go to Stop and Shop. Why? Because it's got the rewards card. Or someone could say the opposite, saying I go to Stop and Shop more for the gas points. Because I'm already buying my groceries, now I'm going to go in the reward of buying my groceries there is I get cheaper gas. So that, that to me, that's behavior and education games themselves is more about like at like you've learned x in class and now this game is going to help you understand x better or it's going to come right along to help build x into y right i think that's that's a very good point um along with that they explained how the education games will have a whole storyline involved with characters and and whatnot whereas gamification doesn't necessarily have that. It might have a personal avatar that the student uses, but the, the storyline is weak. I think with the education games, students are going to remember the whole experience more and remember the thought processes they went through or uh, everything involved more so than just going through a gamified course. This week, our interview of the week is with Jody Gonzalez over at Bolin Elementary School. Take a listen as she talks about some of the things that she is doing in the classroom as a science teacher.
Gonzalez today. We're going to talk about some exciting developments in her in her classroom and how she's integrating technology. Saying that, I'm going to let Jody get right to the point. Uh, so, Jody, if you could just give us all a brief background of your history here at Springfield Public Schools, it'd be great. So, I've been a science teacher here at Bowen Elementary School for 12 years, and all 12 years of my teaching career have been here as a science teacher. Um, I'm also a member of my school-wide PBIS team. I'm an in-school coach for that team. That's awesome. That's awesome. And over your 12 years, Jody, how have you seen technology change? I think my first year here, we used projectors um, <laughs> and probably still a few transparencies. And then we started getting the smart boards. And now we have platforms like Brightspace and Discovery Ed. Uh, so the students uh, have other ways of learning. And how have you seen that impact the way you are teaching? I think the students are more engaged. I also think that the um, students have more ownership of their learning, and they do a little bit more of their own learning independently rather than always being dependent on the teacher to give them the information. Got you. And as a teacher, I, you know, when I a theme I see when I go to the schools is that it's a fine balance, right? You have all these resources, Brightspace, Office 365, billion gamification websites that you can go to and have your students use. How do you prioritize which ones to use, and not just which ones to use, but how often you're using these resources. I always take a look at my standard first, the lab that they're going to do, and then I just spend a lot of time researching what resources might be best to get that knowledge to students or have them practice something. Okay. So sometimes it is through a game as a quick check-in at the end of class, um, or sometimes it's an assignment in Brightspace, or it's a group project and they upload a PowerPoint into Brightspace. So it really depends on the standard and what kind of assessment I want to come out of that standard. No, and that's a great overview because, again, I think a lot of teachers who are listening are going to appreciate that feedback because, again, it's it's a common theme I hear. Well, Brennan, we have a million resources. Where do I even begin? And not just where do I begin, but how do I build that into my lesson plan, right? Because there's just so much going on with what you guys have to do on a daily basis, let alone trying to incorporate this new technology that's changing every day. Yeah, I, I do find that once you start using it, it's easy to incorporate daily into your Absolutely lesson plans once right. you get used to it. So like anything else, it's just practice and repetition. Exactly. And it's funny. I think everybody agrees the students are probably more adept at learning and adapting than we are. Oh, yeah. They teach me some things about some of the platforms that we use that I don't may not know how to do, but they're, they're good about that. Excellent. Now, recently, uh, we received word that you had a really exciting avenue, well, you're using an exciting avenue called Skype to have a really cool call with a colleague. Could you elaborate on that and provide some detail for our listeners? Yeah, so with my fourth grade students, we did a Skype with a scientist. It's a free program. A student at UConn had started it, and now they have over 2,000 scientists signed up for it. And so any teacher can sign up for it. They just ask for your name, your school, um, a little bit of background about your school, and then they have you categorize which type of science you would like to see a scientist matched up with you. And within a few weeks, they match you up with a scientist in one of those science categories. And you email back and forth with the scientist. You set up a date and time that would work for both of you. And the scientist tells you a little bit about themselves so you can prepare the students. Excellent. You're working with somebody at UConn. Right. And this is, is there like a resource or a link that folks can go to, or if they just go to the, you know, UConn education Skype scientist.com. So okay, skypeascientist.com is the website. They basically take care of the background work for you. Which is And great. then the scientist, they'll 
give, send you an email that says you've been matched and your scientist will contact you soon. And then my scientist contacted me within a week or two. She was from the Smithsonian National Zoo in D.C. She studies um, biology, specifically amphibians and bacteria and how it helps them and hurts them. And so she's in one of the labs there. And so she gave me some of that background. She's done a thesis before and she knew that would be a little above fourth grade. So she gave me some information that I could introduce to my fourth grade students that would be uh, more at their level. Oh, wow. This is, and this is, again, this is free. It is absolutely free. Which is the greatest price there is, right? Yes, that's So right. the application that you used to make this happen, Skype, what was your experience with it prior to into going into this endeavor? Other than calling some family that lives in another country once in a while. Because it's free, right? Because it's free. <laughs> exactly. I had never used Skype for any type of purpose like this. Okay. So we actually, the scientists and I, tested it the week beforehand right. to make sure that we had a good connection. We could both see each other. We could um, both hear each other. Uh, she walked around her lab and said, where do you think would be a good place for me to sit that would interest the students? Okay. And then we were all set to go on the day of. And how did your students react to seeing somebody that they've never met before on the computer screen, excuse me, uh, providing them a lesson? It, they were a little, I think, uh, shy and nervous at first. They came <laughs> in a little bit earlier than we made the Skype call. Uh, just to kind of prepare them and tell them the expectations. And they all said that they were so nervous. But once the conversation started, and our Skype lasted about 40 minutes, they were really into it and not nervous to answer her questions at all. <laughs> That's good. So you were able to break the ice with them pretty easily? Yes. <laughs> That's good. And the logistical aspect of it. So using the Skype, you said you had a practice session before, right? So you kind of tested it out. For those listening, how easy is Skype to use? Just bare bones, brass tacks. Do you think Skype is a pretty easy application that folks can use to collaborate, not just across our district, but with external resources like this individual? It was extremely easy. You basically, if you don't have a Skype account, you sign up with an email, um, and that can be your username. And then as long as you know someone else's username, you can easily connect them. You can call, and you can have chat sessions on there. So when she was ready for us, she sent me a message saying, call in whenever you're ready. Yep. And so it was actually really easy for me not really using it in the past, especially in this way, um, it really only took me a few minutes to, to figure it out. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. As we continue our discussion on just the integration of technology into the classroom, obviously you're kind of you're thinking outside the box, having outside per people call into your classes. That's, that's really creative and that's really great. How do you see it progressing uh, into the future here at Springfield? Obviously, I think our district is pretty proactive when it comes to infusing technology. We have a one-to-one -one program that's you know up and running now. All of our students have access to the devices. How do you see us uh, progressing and how would you recommend teachers continue to integrate technology uh, into their classrooms and lesson plan? I mean, I can see in the future students doing all of their assignments on the computer and dropboxing them somewhere where a teacher is able to give them feedback and students can see that right away. So really getting away from that paper. And I've already done that a lot. I, I don't make a lot of copies anymore because I try to put a lot of my resources on one of the platforms so students have access to it. I also think it helps students because they can go back and look at it at home. A lot of them yeah, do have access absolutely. to technology at home. So it lets them go back and take a look at things that they've worked on. Um, if they've missed school, it allows them to kind of catch up, especially like in a science lab where I see them once or twice a week. Mm. They can at least have an idea of what we've done because something is right there in front of them. I, I think just the, the amount of knowledge that's out there in, exactly, yeah. in the web and all of that, I think is just going to help open doors for students for get ready for their careers and get ready for college. And I just, it's amazing how quick paced it's changing. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, 
Yeah, and that's that's kind of the when we get down to the, the bottom of it, right? It's creating these twenty first century learners so that our students are able to take these, you know, simple applications like Microsoft Outlook, mm-hmm. send emails, as you said, Dropbox homework assignments, mm-hmm. right? As they go to college or to whatever profession they go to, these are the norms that they're gonna encounter, right? Yep. Exactly. And even with the Skype with a scientist, um, her name was Carly, and she Skypes with other scientists yeah. when they want to show them something like a certain type of bacteria that they've been watching oh, okay. grow. Um, and they're able to chat through that platform um, rather than just over the phone so they can mm-hmm. actually see what they're looking at under a microscope. So I think it it allows students to the Skype specifically to just see these career connections and just see all the technology that's being used in careers. Absolutely. I mean, I can speak. I do quite a bit of work here at the district uh, on the MCAS, uh, and I work with principals and test coordinators and test administrators. And one of my main resources this year is using Skype to host calls, to have people call in for conferences, or even to just message me. I grew up in the early 2000s with AI, or AOL or AAM. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the instant messenger. Yeah, instant messenger, right? <laughs> yep. So I remember growing up on AIM, and it was the greatest thing ever. And now we have Skype messaging mm-hmm. where I I have, you know, folks messaging me about anything uncastulated or Brightspace or digital learning related. And I can kind of see that's where we're going in the future. And I'm happy to see that you're incorporating that into your class with your students. Are there any other uh, technologies that that you kind of rely upon in working with your students, whether it be, and I'm just listing a few, you know, Microsoft Office, whether it be OneDrive or Dino or any of those applications that if a teacher's listening to us right now that you would recommend say, hey, this is a go-to, especially we'll say specifically for science teachers or in general, whatever you think our listeners could use to advance digital learning within their classroom. Yeah, so I've been using Brightspace quite often um, within the last year, especially uh, I upload websites that I think might be helpful. They may not even use them in class, but they might be extra websites that allow them to do some practice at home. Or um, I even find that some of them will be like, oh, I, I played that science food chain game at lunchtime today okay. or during my free time today. So nice. they're using a lot of the interactive things that I send their way. I'm also able to upload my own documents and then they can type right into them. Yep. Um, which has been helpful. It, it saves on paper. It gives them some yeah. practice using the technology and then Dropboxing. Um, so I've been tending to create folders in Brightspace with my different science topics, especially for my fifth grade who's doing MCAS prep. Yep. I create different folders for the different topics. Um, and then I create my assignments within there. Or I might upload uh, pictures. For example, I'm doing weathering and erosion review with fifth yeah. grade. So I've uploaded a whole bunch of weathering and erosion pictures. And then they have group discussions about how the land has changed and what they think caused it. And it's great because the pictures are right there in front of them. And then they can go back to them. Um, They don't have to share the pictures with a team. They can all pull them up on their computer and then work as a team together to to talk about them. And they're able to type right into the document if they choose to. Yeah, and that's that's great. Having that collaboration space that's easy. and, you know, obviously doesn't require paper is great. <laughs> yeah, it is great. And the homeroom teachers also have access to the same folders that I do. So yep. they can add things and they can take a look at what the students are doing. If I need them to continue a lesson in their room the days after the lab, yep. they're able to easily do that. Now, I just want to, in closing, speak about just the, the thoughts about technology uh, at the school level. So I know here at Poland, we have a great support system. You know, Principal Bukowski is very proactive with her her support of technology, and you have Dan Mansow, who is very proactive as well. How important is it for, you know, you and your peers, would you say, to collaborate uh, on these technology ideas? Would you 
go to another teacher and say, hey, I used this Skype application. It was wicked easy. Uh, I really recommend you checking this out. Like, I guess from my perspective in any business environment, it's in education as well. It applies the same. It's important that we're kind of cultivating these things to each other. Do you agree? And if so, how do you see that festering itself at the school level? Yeah, I do agree. I mean, I think teachers are always planning things together anyway. So then being able to share technology and how we've used technology maybe in our lesson plans and with our classes is a really good idea. We have been given sometimes, sometimes at our extended days, where um, a teacher who's done this great lesson using some sort of technology platform will present and share out with the staff five or ten minutes and then every staff here is kind of open you want to come in and see me do a lesson with this platform come on and stop in Um, if you want to talk more let's talk before or after school and we can chat about how you can implement it the skype session i actually had the two homeroom teachers in here with me during it and they're already signed up to do another one later in the year Um, and so we've kind of been spreading the word to other teachers to try to uh, get connected with these scientists, um, and it, they directly connect with our standards. So it's a great use of technology. The kids are learning from someone else who's actually in the science career. And so I do think that it's important that we collaborate around not only just the lesson plan itself, but how we're incorporating technology. That's a great answer. And that's what I see uh, when I go out to schools. However, as you said, time is, the at the end of the day, mm-hmm. we don't have unlimited amounts of time, right? So I guess it's it really comes down to just, you know, I think Principal Picasso is really good at this, is allowing you guys the time to share these methods amongst yourselves, right? Because yes. you're so busy with your lesson mm-hmm. planning and with your managing your students, and of course, outside of the school, you yes. do have lives too. I know <laughs> some might not realize that, but I think it, it harkens back to, to really just allowing you guys the time through professional development to, to share these ideas, because that's where really, I, I think the magic happens for, for this infusion of technology. In the yeah, and in here at Boland, we also get uh, one of our PLCs every fourth week is technology PLC. See, that's excellent. And so each grade level gets to collaborate with um, Mr. Manso. And uh, he shows them a new platform, something new in technology that might be coming out, something that the teachers maybe aren't comfortable using. Uh, He helps them and shows them how to use it. So um, that's been really good, too. So extended days, our full PD days, and our PLCs, we're constantly sharing what we're good at with the rest of our colleagues. That's great to hear. Well, Jody, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with me today uh, on our podcast here. You're doing some excellent things in the classroom, obviously. It's really exciting to see how you're incorporating technology into the classroom, and not just that, but you're sharing it amongst your peers, and that's that's really exciting. So we really can't thank you enough for taking the time to speak to us today, and we look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank you very much. such a great interview that Brendan did with Jody Gonzalez over at Boland. A couple of things that really stood out to me was this idea of student ownership. Anytime that we can give students ownership over their work, I think it's for the better. It allows them to really internalize not only what they're learning, but it also teaches them responsibility and some of those other soft skills that we don't necessarily test for, but we hope and pray that the students are really picking up on. Another thing that she mentioned was doing Skype in the classroom. Now, Skype in the classroom is a fantastic tool. I know we've had a few other teachers talk about that in the past, too. So this idea of Skype with a scientist um, is one that really intrigues me 
especially if I was a science teacher, because it would be great to have someone who really truly is in the field of science talking with the students about something the students are learning, which I think can in turn encourage those students to say, hey, wait a minute, that, that could be me one day. That could be my career one day. And just exposing the students, not just to scientists, but to all the great things that Skype in the Classroom has to offer. I know if you go out to education.microsoft.com and go down to the Skype links on the left-hand side, there are hundreds of people who are willing to talk to your class. There's also field trips that you can do, too. You could take your kids to Yellowstone. I think I even saw the Louvre on there one day. So there are so many opportunities for us to learn outside the four walls of the building that we are in. As you know, in our district, going on field trips to say, I don't know, Yellowstone or the coral reef out in Australia, that's just not possible or practical. But we can do these virtual trips. We can do these interviews with people around the world that will help encourage our students and see how big this world is and how many opportunities there are in it for something that they love or something that they didn't even know about that they found more information about because of Skype in the classroom. It's a fantastic tool. And I do encourage you guys all to go out there, sign up education.microsoft.com and learn more about Skype in the classroom. I think one other interesting thing I wanted to pull out of that interview was the fact that over at Boland, they have this time, and we, I feel like I've heard this from other teachers that we've interviewed from Boland, where they meet once a month and they talk about using technology in the classroom. They take time to actually share, demonstrate, and allow practice of new technology tools within the classroom. And that is a great low stakes way to learn how to use the tools. Know that somebody else in your building is an expert with those tools so that you can even use them yourself in your own classroom and know that there's someone down the hall or down the stairs, depending on how big your building is, of course, that could help you get everything set up. It's just, they've got some great things going on over there that are easily transferable to other schools. Well, as we wrap up today, I just want to remind you that um, there is a poll question out on Yammer that we really would love some feedback on about how you do your grade book. Please go out there and vote, I guess would be the great way to put it, but you're really just telling us the tools that you use so that we can kind of try to start making connections to our learning management system through those tools. Also, if you listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Yammer, leave us some feedback. Talk to us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to see some five-star ratings on whichever site you choose to listen to us. We are now available through the iHeartRadio app. We are on Stitcher and Spreaker and Google Play and iTunes Apple Store. There's just so many ways that you can access this podcast, and we are glad that you are listening today. Make sure you tell your friends, your colleagues, your coworkers. And if you want to be interviewed on this podcast, we would love to talk with you. You can send us a message to DLA support at springfieldpublicschools.com. I'm Mike Thomas, and I will see you next week.